Like Family with Brenda Donoghue. In this edition of Like Family, we meet the newest family members. I can't remember those days now. I, I can't remember him not being here. I mean, he's not even, he's just over a week old. And uh, I can't remember the time when he wasn't here. I guess I was waiting for it forever. So it was 74 days he was in um, the hospital in total. And we were, we were ready to go. I mean, I definitely wanted him at home. One thing I do remember was that really, real other kind of a time when you have a small baby and you're up in the middle of the night with them and everybody else is asleep. And you can join the conversation on Twitter at Brenda Donoghue or email brenda at rte.ie. The days of having a newborn in the house are fleeting. A photograph, a baby vest or a newborn cry can bring memories flooding back. But for Aileen, Michael and their young daughters Nellie, Eppie and Nan, Memories are stored in songs. One thing I do remember was that really, real other kind of a time when you have a small baby and you're up in the middle of the night with them and everybody else is asleep, you know. And I remember remember even with Nan, Mick would have moved in, emigrated into the girls' room. So actually the two big girls and Mick were sleeping in the other room and I'd have the baby in our bed with us. Well, she might be in the basket and then I'd take her into the bed and the little head on the pillow or just changing her nappy on the bed in the middle of the night. But that real other time and that communication with a baby that just, you know, so new, they've no, the very few ways of communicating. But I do remember that, that twilight kind of time. Yeah. But pe- people see the preciousness, preciousness of the time. I remember once we were walking on the beach in Corraclow and a woman, it was a Dublin woman, came up and she's looked at two. She goes, this is the most magical time you have. And uh, said, make the most of it. And she started she start clear-eyed, almost started to cry, you know. And a few people, and that was one that really struck me, but a few people said it to you. And again, because you're in the middle of it, it moves by quick. But it does make sense. And funny now, you, 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 when, when people have younger children than us, I'd say it, you know, to them, make the best of it now because it'll go quick on you. Because it will. As a new arrival, you're naturally going to sing to them to get them asleep. Well, you're going to sing for other reasons as well. And we sing loads with the girls now. But um, when they were small, the song I would have sung, um, it's a song my own mother would have sung. And she would still sing it to her small grandchildren to get them asleep. Uh, The girls would call it angels are coming that's what they'd call it they'd say mammy sing angels are coming but it's the Connemara cradle song but I know I would have slowed I'd slow it down a lot to try and get that really sleepy feeling going you know because at the time when you're trying to get a child asleep it's the most important thing in the world like in that moment that's all that matters so you know you're giving it all those characteristics of that big sleepy deep breath you know like wings on the wind or that are growing deep angels are coming to watch o'er thy sleep angels are coming 
to watch over thee, solace to the wind. Come and over the sea, hear the wind blow, love, hear the wind blow, lean your head over and hear the wind blow. What's amazing with that is your daughter Nelly just yeah. spontaneously came over and joined in. Do you remember your mum singing that song? Yeah. yeah. Is that how you learned it? Yeah, that's how I learned it anyway. One of Nan's favourite songs, Nana's Tree, yeah. and she likes to sing My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean, which is actually the song that Nanny, that would be mixed mother, used to sing. It was always her little sleepy song. Wasn't it, Nan? Yeah. Would you Five? sing that for me, Nan? You ready? Yes, night as I am on my pillow. Yes, night as I am on my bed. Yes, night as I am on my pillow. I drank back my bunny was there. Bring back, go bring back, go bring back my bunny to me. Yes, night as I am on my pillow. And that's Nan singing a song her late nanny used to sing to her. And for the newborn, in those earliest days, how are they making sense of this world? Answering this question has been the lifetime work of Professor Kevin Nugent from Mullingar. Kevin went to Boston as a very young man and was inspired by watching the renowned paediatrician Barry Brazelton at work. As he examined the baby, I was surprised that he called the baby by her name. Her name was Sarah as if she was a real person. That was a and then at one stage, after he looked at many of her motor behaviours, he picked her up and began to talk to her. And she engaged him, looked him in the eye. And he said, hello, Sarah. I didn't realise babies could see. I didn't realise they could hear. That moment I realised that they could see and hear, but not only that, but that Sarah was absolutely present. And as he interacted with her, I could see her mother's eyes were just bursting with appreciation and and discovery. So for me, at that moment, I realised, oh my God, all this is happening on the second day of life. For Kevin, this started a life of working with newborns at Boston Children's Hospital. So what is going on in the newborn's mind? The only access we have to the little baby's mind or brain is his or her behaviour. And that's what we've been studying over all these years. We now see as the baby can see. Given a choice, what does he prefer to see? Give him a face or a checkerboard, he'll take the face any day of the week. And in fact, given a choice, he seems pre-programmed to search for the human face. And already recognises the mother's or father's voice. Not that he understands the content, but he gets the rhythm, the very musicality of the voices he's been exposed to, particularly during the last trimester of pregnancy. Here's the the music in the mum's voice. And so that when I am with a newborn and I ask the mum or dad, would you like to call his name? The baby will turn immediately to the mother's or father's voice. And often that can be 
a remarkable moment of emotional exchange about mum and dad and baby, both recognising their own communication with each other. So yes, they come with able to see, able to hear, and uh, as I said, already can recognise the mother's or father's voice over other voices and prefers that by far to music or anything else. The voice is the key thing. So babies are really attracted to the voice and the face from the beginning. But they're also, uh, I think, in terms of the brain development, it's the whole sensory area in terms of touch is so well developed at birth. So they're sensitive to touch, to being held. Skin to skin, we know from all the research with particularly premature babies, that the skin to skin contact is such uh, a support, helps them settle, helps them regulate themselves, and means so much in terms, of course, of the attachment to the mother or father or whoever is the primary caregiver. Touch is well developed. Smell, of course, and of course the smell, you can imagine, the baby can already identify the smell of his or her mother. Way back in a long time ago, Ed McFarlane and the University of Oxford gave babies a choice would they choose a, a breast pad of the mother or the breast pad of another mother. The babies turn to the breast pad of their own mothers each time. So we know that babies are sensitive to can recognize the smell of the mother. So put them all together, the smell, the touch, the voice, and these are all beautifully designed by nature to bring mothers, fathers and babies together in a kind of an attachment relationship that will ensure the baby's survival, but more than that, will ensure the baby will thrive in terms of feeling loved, nurtured and supported. And how does this newborn baby communicate with the world? And the only language the baby has is his behaviour. He can't speak, but everything from, let's say, a grimace, a clenching of the fists, a big wide-eyed look, Sometimes a gaze aversion when he turns away. It's really rarely due to chance. He's making a decision maybe that this is too much for me. I can't take this. Just let me disengage and then come back. So for parents, it means learning his communication cues. And they're the only answer we have into who he is. And I think I'd like to say is you can trust these behaviours. That's his only way he can tell you. Crying as clear as daylight when the baby is crying, you say, he's saying, I'm not happy. And everybody then wants to help him settle back down. But there are things such as, let's say, even a colour change. He might change red, blue, blue around the mouth. These are just subtle signs of stress. When he's asking you, just, did you notice that? He can't say it, but just a colour change means I'm stressed. Uh, or if there's a startle, whatever's happened has affected my motor system and it's slightly stressful. So learning all these little cues gives you an entree into who this little baby is, what he really helps him, what he enjoys, what he finds difficult. Professor Kevin Nugent. Well, now I'm ready to meet a new arrival. Ushin is one of 60,000 or so new babies who will be born in Ireland this year. I'm visiting him with Dr Elizabeth Nixon, Trinity College psychologist with an interest in baby development. We are met by his very excited three-year-old brother, Lorcan. You guys see this? Show me who, oh he's bringing me in to show me the baby. Oh my God. Where are we going? This is Tyo's. He's a good lad. 
have to wake him up to feed him every time. Wow. So very lucky with him. He's very chill, baby. He's a good sleeper, yeah. He is, Aren't thank you God. Lucky? Oh, thank God. Once you have your sleep, you can cope with anything, can't you? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you really can. Travel blogger Karina and her husband Colm were FCA sweethearts. Now, 20 years on, new baby Oshin is one of six. What is he now? Nine days. Good lad, Seamus. <laughs> a week and two days. He is, and he's like he's here forever already. Look at that now. You're just giving him the bottle. Uh, come in and say a little hello. First of all, we have Aoife. She is 11. She has an identical twin, Orla, who's 11. Hello. And what do you do to help Mammy? We get the boppies ready sometimes, and we get some of the stuff for her nappies. Mm-hmm. Then we have Seamus, who's nine. Hi, Seamus. How are you? Good. And who's this little man here? What's your name? He showed me the baby yeah, in the first place. Lorcan. Yeah, his Lorcan. And how old are you, Lorcan? Uh, three. Do you like your new brother? It's my cousin. Oh, yeah. It's called... No. Oh, Daddy's car. Daddy's home. Daddy's home. Oh. And we have Killian here. Who's hi, six? Killian. Uh, hi. Daddy. Hello, how are you? I'm Brenda. Nice to meet you. We're just kind of getting to know everyone in the family here. Congratulations, he's beautiful. Now, can I go back to the moment where he was born? Oh, it was sheer relief when he was born, though, wasn't it? Yeah. They probably think I'm a bit nuts, though, because I I know on the last baby as well, on Lorcan and especially on him, because, you know, they want skin to skin and all the rest of it, but... Jesus, when you've just had a baby, you've been hours in labour, you're like, oh, give me a moment, a second to myself, please, just a second. So they were kept saying to me, oh, look down, you've had him, look down. No, I'm not looking, just give me a moment, please, let me breathe. And then, they were saying, <laughs> <laughs> and then they were saying, oh, skin to skin, quick, quick, skin to skin. And they're trying to pull up my top. And I said, look, there's his father. He has a chest too. We can lie on him. <laughs> so he did. So the baby had a, his first cuddle and snuggle with daddy. What would you say in terms of the magic or the buzz that he's brought to your lives and to the house oh it's absolutely amazing the kids are they're queuing up to feed him they're queuing up to hug him and like that one of the mammies up at the school actually only said to me earlier has the you know the sheen worn off because he's your sixth like are the kids a bit bored now with a new baby coming home but absolutely not they're the the most popular of a lot of them I think because they're all getting interested in him it's been the opposite nearly I'd say how has he changed the family and can you kind of remember time when he wasn't here. But no, I don't think there's any real difference, is there, Seamus? No, there's no major difference. He doesn't need um, that much. All you really need to do is um, feed him, put him asleep, and if he um, starts crying, just give him back in his duty. Well, I see you've great help here. That's for certain. Well, he keeps disappearing. You go, where's Seamus going? Yeah. Seamus <laughs> to be down looking after him and giving him a suit or whatever else. Aww. I've noticed the difference in the kids. They're, they're all much more attentive with me as well as the baby. They all come in, Mom, do you need a hand? Do you need this? Aoife, can I make you a cup of tea? And Seamus, every time Seamus is home, how was your day, Mom? How was the baby? Was everything okay with him today? Which is great for a nine-year-old. Lorcan was the baby. And then we said it to him. We said, Lorcan, are you the baby anymore? He said, I'm big baby now. We have a little baby. And he's not jealous at all. To give him his due, the exact opposite. He's very protective. Yeah. Won't let any of the rest of them in to see him. He's his brother, his new toy as such. The baby was looking for, I was ran out to get a bottle for him yesterday and he'd started to cry and I'd said to Seamus, put his soother in. And I just as I got back to the door, walking back in, it was Lorcan was leaning in and telling him, baby, oh, shush, baby, it's OK, baby, it's OK, my, my baby, he calls him. 
and uh, mm-hmm. start r- rubbing his forehead and rubbing his cheek for him, which is great for a three-year-old as well. You know, I'd like that, I, I really thought there was going to be some jealousy. Bless you, baby. I thought there was going to be some jealousy there, but there's not. He's just taken to it like a duck to water, which is fantastic. What has he added to your lives so far, even though he's only a few days old? Uh, he's taken away loads of sleep and not that much. <laughs> no, lots of love, lots of love and care. He really is he's amazing. He's, I can't believe, I can't remember when he wasn't here. I mean, I remember the last, the end of the pregnancy going, oh my God, come on, are we finished? Like, is it over yet? And are these days are dragging, dragging through, like every pregnancy, isn't it, at the end? But uh, I just, I can't remember those days now. I, I can't remember him not being here. I mean, he's not even, <laughs> he's just over a week old. And uh, I can't remember the time when he wasn't here. Looking at him now, just over a week, developmentally, what's going on overall? Well, it's been a big week for him, hasn't it? I mean, he's, you know, now out in the real world and everything he's experiencing is really new. Psychologist Dr. Elizabeth Nixon. So that's why he has to sleep so much, because he's exhausted every time he is awake and taking in information from the world around him. And he's he's looking very intently at his mum's face there. And I think that's a lovely, a lovely moment to watch, um, you know, how he's he's really fixing his focus on you. And that's how him getting to know you in yeah. a different sort of way to how he he um, he has been up up to this point. And I suppose being born enables him to to do that because he can he can see you and and feel you hold him. New senses for him. New yeah. senses being being awakened, I guess, for him. Yeah. But he's now fallen asleep in your arms, which is lovely. And I still haven't had a hold, Queenie, yet. <laughs> but when he is awake for those few little minutes, how is he experiencing the world as what, eight days old? So his senses are quite well developed and probably the least developed of his senses would be his visual sense. They can see things best roughly at about the distance from the mother's face to the breast, about 18 inches or so. Mm. It means that when they're being fed, they can look up at the mother's face or the caregiver's face and get to know Uh, that person can become familiar to them. But really sight is, is, uh, as I said, much less developed. They don't tend to see the world in colour. Things are all, all... a little bit blurry yeah. in, in, in a visual sense. But luckily their auditory and their olfactory senses are very well developed when they're born. So the likelihood is he's really uh, getting to know you through your voice. Mm. He, he'll be able to recognise your voice over other women's voices and as they get to know dad and, and brothers and sisters more, he'll begin to discriminate those voices as well and smell. Obviously, having lived inside you for a couple of months, <laughs> yeah. uh, you, your smell will be very familiar to him. Um, so, so that's how he's kind of getting to know who oh you are, primarily through sense, uh, through the sense of smell and uh, the auditory sense, rather than through vision. And when he is asleep, do you notice anything? different about the different types of sleeps that he might be having? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I, he makes baby sounds and he'd be rolling over, so I'll know that it's a, it's not a deep sleep. And it's it's not quite an unsettled sleep as such, yeah. but I know he's not unconscious asleep, that yes. he's still, if there was a loud noise or bang, he'd be awake, you know. Mm-hmm. What is going on with the baby, particularly in the first week here of life during a very deep sleep and a very light sleep? Yeah, so there's different stages of sleep. And I mean, I suppose the two main ones would be, uh, like you've mentioned, the kind of light sleep. Mm. Um, and we, we would probably tend to characterize that as being REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep. What you'll see in that kind of sleep is a little more, more kind of movement going on. Mm. And really what we think is going on um, there is that there's a lot of neural activity 
in the brain. And because newborns are very limited in in being able to take in information from their environment, it's almost as if they're kind of internally stimulating Mm. their brains Ah. to facilitate development. And then with the deeper sleep, that's much more, um, like as you've already noted, uh, you know, he's less likely to rouse, for example, if there's a loud noise or a bang. Um, And obviously that kind of sleep is important because it enables him to kind of recharge his batteries. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he does a lot of. (laughs) So he's kind of drowsy in and out, kind of opening his eyes. Mm -hmm. But what he's very good at doing is sort of shutting us out, isn't he? Yeah, Yeah, when he's had enough, that's it. You you know, he tells you he's enough. Yeah, a few minutes ago his his eyes were kind of opening and he was kind of following the voices. But that probably takes up quite a lot of his energy. And so now he probably needs a little bit of a rest and he needs to kind of chill out. But he's doing very well at sort of shutting shutting us out, which is a great sign. Well, that's what I've been doing is I've been taking the lead off him. Well, I I sort of have done with all of the Mm. kids since they've been born is when they're this small as I take the lead off him, let him or them show me. That was a big Look smile. what he's just done there. He's just smiled in his sleep. <laughs> That's wind, I think. <laughs> but uh, No, look. No, I'm pretty sure that's not really a smile. <laughs> I but, think parents mm. like to interpret them as smiles. Yeah, of course, yeah, I'll take it, I'll take it. Yeah. We don't think they socially smile until about six weeks of age. <laughs> What's going on there when he's puckering his lips? Well, you see, it's really hard to interpret what those little kind of grimaces or behaviours um, mean. I think he's probably getting a little bit frustrated with us because we are in his face. And I think he's kind of sending <laughs> yeah. us the signals that he does want to go sleep. And we're kind of ignoring that a people. little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that that is what he's saying. He's fighting very hard to, um, to for for us to give him the quiet and the and the peace, I think that he's looking for. But I think we're probably pushing him to uh, his to his limit. I would imagine that if we stayed like this, he might start crying in a, in a few minutes. We will be back to meet Ushin again as he hits his three month milestone. With newborn babies on my mind, the chat at lunch in the Carlo Arboretum with my own mother, my auntie Nan and Mam's friend Rita turned to their memories of having new babies in the house. My mum Mary recalled being driven from Kildare to Hollis Street Hospital for my birth, her firstborn. I was dropped at the door. My mother kissed me goodbye, wished me luck. The husband, I looked around, he was missing, he was gone. But I have to say, the loneliness then... When you're on your own and, I mean, strange people all around you and all of a sudden then you start to, that evening then, that night, all that night, all the next day up to seven o'clock, I was in labour and uh, I can tell you now, if you had a video, which they hadn't in those days, it would have been good because there was a woman beside me having her 11th child and she said she laughed that much at me that the child hopped out, she had no labour at all and I was in the throes, the throes of it. So, is that all for now? Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> then, all of a sudden, anyway, Bren, after, oh, I suppose, nearly two days, uh, out you come. Yeah. And the next thing, uh, the nurse, anyway, just put you straight in front of me. I saw this little face smiling. And it was like as if you had no bother at all coming into the world. As if you were just delighted with yourself, with a little smile on your face. And uh, I said to myself, oh, my God, I said, thank God for that, I said. And uh, I lay back and I didn't see you for nearly the day. But I heard children crying in the nursery that night. 
and I don't know something made me get out of the bed and I crept down to the nursery and you were the one that was crying would any of you oh your husbands have considered or would it have been something you'd like for them to come into the labour ward definitely not Brenda oh god no or anybody else would have no under no circumstance you know when I think of it after like you wouldn't because you know well it is a private thing as well I wouldn't have wanted him in at all either even with the twins he was standing out when I had my twin girls he was standing out in the hall and the nurse did say to him, do you want to go in? And he didn't want to come in himself. So then that was that we didn't really want to be. Man. But I think, Brenda, if the husband came in, it would turn him off for life. And there might be no more. And there might be no more brothers and sisters. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny trying to do an interview with you guys. <laughs> There's one word you've used that I found quite interesting. Yeah. You've used the word lonely. You were lonely when you went in first. Well, you see, you weren't used to all the protocol, you know, asking questions, the whole lot. You had nobody to talk to or anything. Nobody spoke, they just asked you questions. Like, and then when you did go into labour, you were more lonely. You felt terrible. And then you got the postnatal blues, which I did get, but I didn't know what they were. And neither did the husband. We never heard of it. The postnatal blues. Well, you just say everybody's so delighted, and I was so delighted to have your child, everything going great. But you just get a lump in your throat, and all you want to do is cry. For no reason, you don't know why you're crying. You know, and that. But I remember uh, my brother-in-law coming in, I was sitting with Brenda, and uh, the next thing uh, he said, uh, 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 my mother-in-law said, Mary's not feeling too well at all. Which I wasn't at the time, but I was wanted to cry all the time. My brother-in-law said, what did they do to Mary up in Hollis Street? That's what I want to know, he said. But uh, so the brother-in-law said, sure, Mary, come on down, Kildare is playing down in the pitch. I used to go to all the Kildare matches. And he said, come on down, Kildare is playing. I'm in me nighty. Brenda on my lap, and, and I was nervous of Brenda as well. But you know, you're not sure. So the postnatal blues lasted, i say, about five weeks. Yeah. And that, but, but my husband was in a terrible way. He said, you know, what was wrong with me? You know, it was, it, it was a bad time. And- would you have known what was wrong, or would would no. anybody have said, "Oh, maybe you need to go back to a doctor or go no, for help"? No, one ever said You just anything. said, "Get on with it." No, no. My neighbour used to come in every day, um, Molly Hannan, Lord Martin, she'd bring me in dinner every day. My other neighbour come in over with the tea, Celia Garrett. Two great neighbours uh, in those days. I was so nervous when they were all gone. House was full. Then all of a sudden that night. Uh, the house was empty and I know I had to feed Brenda Changer and I was so I was that nervous I was shaking because I never handled a child in my life unless one I stood for uh, in baptism which I did and I was only 10 at that time I never handled a child after that and I wanted everything perfect so when I was bathing Brenda I had my sister-in-law I had three neighbours in standing behind me my mother and they were all there and I was so nervous behind her but I didn't realise when I was bathing her and I was my hand went under her arm and the next thing Brenda had out a little giggle kind of a cackle little cackle and everyone started laughing and I started laughing then myself and I kind of went easy then. And when I was finished bathing her, uh, my sister-in-law, who had eight children, said, you did a great job there, Mary. I was so happy to hear it, you know. When you bring home your first baby, you are nervous. You just don't know what to do. You've no one around you, and you've no help. And you're, you're Are you not reading your self-help books? No. There was no such thing. No such thing that is then. Your mother would come up and she'd give you a hand all get all the tips. First, uh, it was so lonely, you know, the yeah. tips. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Nan, you had everyone coming in with the tips. Yeah. And so, Nan, 
Tell me a little bit about you when you came home with a baby. I was so lucky. You see, we lived at home with my father and mother, Lord of mercy on them. We lived at home for a year, right? So then we brought uh, Peter home and um, I had great backup, Brenda. Great backup. So between you, you brought home a fair amount of newborns, okay? Thinking of, say, when you brought back the the eldest to the youngest. Yeah, more relaxed. Oh, very much more relaxed. Completely more relaxed and yeah. well, it's kind of human nature isn't it yeah. we knew yeah. what we were doing yeah. yeah and we were able to interact with the children very much more Explain that. I think oh, well, no, you, you, before I used to be so particular about everything right I forget that to, uh, to talk nearly and then I started to talk and sing to the children and they'd be back and they all had their own little ways you know yeah. and I understood them all and yeah. it was easy easier myself yeah. in my being with them the first like when they walked when they talked I remember when they first walked right I, I remember putting my leg over the railing to tell the neighbour and I tore all my tights but you know something the second and third talked and walked and it just became natural you know yeah, yeah. the excitement of all what the first did friend that's not taking away now from the rest of them yeah. because everything they did too was very special okay. looking back on your life how important were these new babies when they came into it? How important? Well, they were so important to you, to your life. Because, number one, you kind of went into a completely different avenue of feelings, love that you never thought you had as much of. Really, you know, you, you know you love someone so much. And the love you got back from them and the entertainment all through my life. That's something I'll always be grateful for and delightful I had because I think I would have missed it terrible if I didn't get it. So when I was a baby, there was very little baby science and that's changed. But those feelings of nervousness are true for modern parents too. Professor Kevin Nugent has great confidence in things working out. Uh, we want parents to go into their own skins as parents. The fact is, their parents, their grandparents, generations of parents have come before them, have made it work. We want to nurture all the positive things parents bring to the table, whether it's their personal attributes, their cultural attributes, all these strengths that fathers, mothers bring. We want to capitalise on them, support them so that they grow into their own skins as parents. So we try to avoid teaching parents or giving advice As I said, the only one who gives advice is the baby. And if we listen to him and look at him, he'll tell us how he wants to be parented, the kind of care he needs. Are you saying to me that babies have the capacity to forgive? That's a beautiful... Absolutely. Uh, I feel that babies are primed... They hope the whole thing works. So generally, we make so many mistakes. There is no perfect parent out there. We make such mistakes... But the key thing is learning from the mistakes. My colleague Ed Tronick has looked at this for years and shown that babies and parents are missteps most of the time. They're only that beautiful synchronised ritual dance occasionally. So very often we're misstepping. But the key is how do we learn? What's he telling us by doing this? When he gets terribly upset, why did this happen? Why did it happen now? So each time I think the baby is trying to ask us to think again and I think babies are yes forgiving and if we are flexible things will work out piece by piece bit by bit 
the first social smile is a landmark in a baby's yeah. development and in a baby's relationship with the world. Indeed. What has happened since birth to allow the baby to have its first social smile? Uh, the social smile, you're right, is such a milestone in so many families. Yet, if you look beforehand, I've seen a social smile as early as five days of age. There's a huge range of differences. But firstly, you'll often see a smile. Every mom and dad will tell you this, a mother and father, that when the baby's asleep, you'll often see a little flicker of a smile. Now, it's not a full, broad smile, but it's a flicker of a smile you can see in the eyes and in the lips and the shape of the mouth. And we used to think it was a gas smile. But actually, if you look closely, it's often a smile of contentment when they're asleep. It's as if they're saying, my regulation, my whole system, my autonomic system is all at ease. It's almost to say it's a pleasure smile. But then you will find maybe at two to three weeks what I've called a smile of discovery. And moms and dads, the baby's looking at you and he's looking at you quizzically. Often he will have a little frown, serious look. And then slowly he begins to smile. Not a full smile yet, but a smile as if to say, I now know. He's matching his imagined template of who you are with the press he sees and suddenly says, now I know you. It's that almost process of getting to know the facial expression, who you are. And that can precede that sort of smile of recognition can precede the full-blown social smile where there's a full recognition of a strong emotional component and it's a pleasurable sense of exchange between two people, the mum and dad and the baby. And it's a moment where I think parents say, you know me and I know you. It's almost the first, what would you say, epiphany where you recognise This is it. We're in a relationship. And I think it's often these moments, uh, we've called them moments of meeting, are moments when something transformative takes place in the relationship. Something has changed and will continue to grow and develop over time. But it's a moment to be cherished and welcomed. Many people who have babies say, particularly for the early few months, it's about bathing them, uh, feeding them, changing their nappies. That's it. But for you, it's about a lot more and what we can learn from them. Well, that's true. But even the ba- all these, the bath, the bathing, these are all great moments uh, just to, to realise these are the key moments of the baby's life. and they, they won't ever return. And they're the moments that help the baby really develop that sense of being needed and loved. So they're all significant, actually. The enjoyment of the special times of these moments of meeting you and I spoke of and the social smiles, they're epiphanies that are rare gifts. But it's the daily looking after the baby that I always want to reassure parents is building up their brains, building up their sense of being valued, sense of loved. And I think these are, yes, the building blocks of life. It goes so fast, Kevin, doesn't it? Oh, doesn't it? I, I always think of the beautiful expression, though, of of all people, uh, George Bernard Shaw, he said, life is a flame that is always burning itself out, but it catches fire again every time a child is born. Professor Kevin Nugent. I'm on my way to pick up Aidan at the creche. Mum Aileen and Dad Colm are with me, as is Aidan's new baby brother, Rory. 
today. Daddy today. Daddy doesn't come. <laughs> this is Aiden and he is two. Hi Aiden. I'm at two. I'm two. You're three? Okay. Yeah. And who's this Aiden? Aiden, who's this person? No one. No one. No one. <laughs> That's great. I heard this was a little girl, is that right? No, it's not. Who is it? Rory. Oh, is he it's nice? Rory, isn't it? Yeah. Is he your sister? No, he's my brother. Are we going to get going? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Bye-bye. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the whole family today. I first met Rory in the special care unit in Dublin's Coombe Hospital last winter, where he was born at 25 weeks. Yeah, and I don't think anyone really gets the sense on how small, you know, Rory came less than, weighing less than a, a bag of sugar. He came in in just two pounds when he was born. So, and even at that, that was a good, very good weight, you know. They waited a long time to bring Rory home. I guess I was waiting for it forever. So it was 74 days he was in um, the hospital in total. And we were, we were ready to go. I mean, I definitely wanted him at home. Um, we, we were dying to get you home. Um, like, I guess the diff- big difference with having a premature baby coming home is you're told, you know, well, he's still premature. So we don't want lots of people around, you know, because of infections. He's gone from pretty much a sterile environment to everyone that wants to kind of pick him up and hug him and hold him. Um, (laughs) My husband's chasing everyone with the anti-back cleaner. (laughs) But Aidan said, can I hold him? Our our three-year-old and can I hold him? And so he held him and then he gave a big slobbery, snotty, wet kiss on his mouth and you're kind of going yeah we're back into normal life you know we have to kind of move out of hospital mode and realize that yeah as much as we're going to be careful he we do have a toddler in the house (laughs) (laughs) and he stops Um, no one's paying attention to me that's what's going on just talking about little milestones like when he first was born he had a tiny tiny cry and rarely cried he cried on at his birth and that was about it for the first maybe month um, and then by the time he was leaving, he could he could be heard down the corridor. <laughs> but for me, you know, you know, most people are kind of almost terrified of that cry. I was thought that was the best thing ever because I could hear him, and you know, he could communicate, and that was like another little kind of milestone. <laughs> and uh, I might regret it now. You know, he he can still hear. I'm sure the neighbors have heard him a few times as well. But um, you know, it's those little things. You know, and I think you start to count the little things a little bit more, you know, starting to breathe on his own or being able to feed or smile or those little cute noises that you're hearing. (laughs) Hello. Yeah. And just even chatting back to mommy. Um, I think the first time round, you just want the next milestone to happen and you're kind of going, oh, you know, it'll be really fun when he can do this or it'll be really fun when you can do this. Um, I think this time I'm, I'm just grateful for everything he does and not really thinking of the next steps. Just enjoying the smiles that you're giving everyone right now. He's so smiley. He's yeah. giving me loads of smiles. Was there a moment, whether it was in hospital or at home, where you saw that the two of you connected? Certainly, you know, as, even as he's developed... There's every so often, you know, where if Aileen gets out of bed and, you know, he starts crying and I pull him over and he's looking at me. You know, there is that moment where you feel like you're soothing, you know, that he's comforted by your presence, you know. 
Oh, yeah, now you're not being soothed, huh? No. What's going on? I mean, when you're talking about connections, I think the connection for me started the minute I held him, and that was about five days after he was born. Despite all of the medical equipment, everything around him, him skin to skin on me, that was my son, you know, and everything else melted away, whether it was the, the unit or the, the equipment or whatever, that you just knew he was mine and, and we connected. And he was always great for settling on, on me. Even the machinery, you could see his breathing would settle. Uh, his heart rate would settle. Everything would be really calm and, and relaxed. That was my bonding with him. It's, it's, it's actually interesting, the ease at which... Um Aiden has slotted in and adjusted to it at the moment. So he was, uh, I think he's really been quite, uh, he's been excellent with him. I, I think he's been very, very tender. There really hasn't been any jealousy at all. He probably ignored him for a little while and now wants to kind of hold him. And at the first sign of tears or, you know, upset, he rushes over and sings to him. And then if that doesn't work within 10 seconds, he goes, looks at me and goes, Mammy, come here. Like, you yeah. know, this didn't work. <laughs> you need to do something now. I have no other strategy to deal with this situation. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel the dynamic of the family's changed now? You have two children as opposed to one. You know, you have to split your time now. You know, you can't just spend all your time with Rory or, or all your time with Aidan. Um, but, I mean, it's lovely. It's things that you do together as a family more so. Like, you know, story time is now the two of them together. So, you know, Aiden gets to pick the books, obviously. But, you know, in a few years' time, there'll be a, a fight be for a that. Straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, you know, it's our family and, and it's, it's perfect. You know, well, no family's perfect, but you know what I mean? For you it is. For us, yeah. yeah. Oh, mammy's all winkety-wonkety, winkety-mammy's all winkety-wonkety. You're a mammy's oh winkety wonkety winkety mammy's oh winkety wonk mammy's oh winkety wonk mammy's oh winkety wonk mammy's oh winkety wonkety winkety mammy's oh winkety wonk and then Dr Elizabeth Nixon and I head off to catch up with baby Oshin and his mum Karina to see how he has developed over his first three months. Oh, for God's sake. He's a big boy, isn't he? Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's in a little kind of summer suit. He has gotten so big. There's smiles for you already. Yeah. Did you say hello, baby? Did you say hello, little sausage? Oh, my God. The, la- <laughs> <laughs> the last couple of days, he's uh, trying to get eye contact with people. Right. If he's lying down in the pram, I actually noticed that yesterday I was out shopping and... Uh, because he's lying flat still, so he's looking up in the air. But as we're passing people, he'll stop and he started shouting lately, which is none of my other kids have done it that early as right. him. But uh, he'll give him a little shout and when he gets eye contact, it's a big smile. <laughs> he's really engaging with me. Look at that. Yeah. The, Can you uh, see that, Liz? Yeah, great yeah. eye contact, as you were saying, Karina. Yeah, and able to hold the kind of the gaze for that little yeah. bit longer. Yeah. yeah. You see how fast it goes. Yeah. So, so quick. I know. I mean, in a couple of weeks that I haven't seen you, you see yourself how he's, he's lost changed. a baby look. He's lost a yeah. newborn fresh look. He's lost the smell as well. Oh. <laughs> I don't think so. Sorry. <laughs> I'm holding him at the moment because I don't want to let him go. It's not because I'm such a lovely person, but this baby is super cute. <laughs> are you are? Um, I noticed my lad, I don't know if you've noticed with other children, but my 
children a lot of them see his top lip the way it goes dark if he has wind oh, okay it go, every one of them it was their tell their telltale sign that i knew what was wrong with them because you know yourself with babies you have to run through a list of why they're crying and you've take off six or seven things and you still can't fathom what is yeah. wrong tell me <laughs> that's how i know isn't that the beauty of it the way the mum is so clued in to what's going on for her baby and as you say you know he's not able to tell you but he's still you know communicating with you and you're learning all of those different different cues and that's lovely to see mm. yeah lovely to hear about I think it's just experience on this stage with six of them because <laughs> God knows I wouldn't have had a clue on the twins at first yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't have had a clue at all here's yeah. my question okay brilliant to see you Karina first of all we're in the Clannard Court Hotel just outside of Thai your choice did you just want to get out of the house or what was the thought process <laughs> <laughs> absolutely just get out of the house it is because it gets very lonely and very isolating when you have a newborn baby because when you go when you don't have to be anywhere you don't bother going anywhere you just yeah. stay in you really do you just stay in you shut yourself off from the world like unintentionally shut yourself off from the world it's so hard when you're that isolated so this is why yes i ran out to get out yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. to get out of the house yes. <laughs> Since he's come into the house, and I'm sure he's the centre of attention in the house, mm. has there been a change? Oh, there has. There most definitely has. And I think he's the major focus in the house now with all of the children. It, it, they focus on him, mm. not even their own needs. In the morning when I get up, because my husband's usually gone, you know, at six o'clock in the morning because he works the 32 counties. And um, the children rally around to try and help me get him ready. You know, the girls, they're 11. They'll ask me, can they make him a bottle? They'll ask me, can they do this or that for him? They'll help with the three-year-old to get him dressed, which is before I'd always done it on my own, done everything on my own. And it's only recently since I've had the baby that they all pitch in and really help and try and get everyone ready and out the door in time. Right, that sounds very idyllic. But <laughs> not every day. Not every <laughs> not day. Not every day. But you have younger boys in that. Is there not an issue of mammy, please give me a little bit of attention? No, absolutely not. And do you think he's getting to know them all, Karina? Absolutely he is. Absolutely. Seamus, our 10-year-old, is his favourite. Completely his favourite. He... <laughs> He totally looks out for him every time and it's giggle as Seamus walks into the room he lets a giggle when he sees him when he catches him and constantly trying to get eye contact with Seamus to get a reaction because Seamus started reading him books when he was probably about two weeks old Seamus used to sit with him and read him stories so it was he was learning his facial expressions and changing his face he was mimicking Seamus every time so I think he sees him now as a, you know it's that figure that he loves and sees every day it's his constant in his life that talks to him and sits with him Obviously, I do too, yeah, but... Of course, yeah. <laughs> do you think he knows his family yet? What do you think Oshin oh, knows at three months? Absolutely, he does know us. Yes, he does. Um, when I'm up in my mum's, like, he'll he be there, but it just he, his face changes when he sees us, when he sees any of us. And I never thought it would be because when you sit and think about it, it's like there's eight of us, you know, so there's seven faces for him to remember at this age. And he does remember every one of them. He, he smiles, he gives a gurgle for any one of us, whereas, like, when he first met you there again, like, he hasn't seen you in ages. He foresee he'll have a look and he'll study you for a minute and wait and he'll be off guard for a sec until he gets enough eye contact with you and your facial expressions and he'll, then he'll smile and talk to you. But uh, yeah, I, I absolutely think he does recognise us. And when did you think that happened? Only in the last three or four weeks I've actually noticed it. It could be before then, mm. um, but it was only in the last three, three weeks or so that I have noticed him changing and his whole demeanour changing and his body language changing. You know, his, his hands will open rather than little fists like he has there. See the way when he's feeding his little closed fists, yeah. his hands will open and he'll be more flapping his arms and excited and kicking his legs. 
trying to make eye contact with me. I'm starting to feel flattered. <laughs> Isn't it just unfair that when the babies are born, that they don't recognise the day and night thing and it takes a while to click in? So I think when babies are born, they don't have the same kind of circadian rhythm that we would have where we're influenced by sort of cute light cues, you know, so it's getting dark. We know it's kind of time to sort of settle down. And I guess it's important that, that we can provide an environment for babies that, that does sort of... Um, you know, encourage sleep during the night and wakefulness during the day. And what's really interesting, Karina, is how you've uh, said that Ushin is very good at shutting out kind of, you know, the, the, the noise from around him and that he will sleep through things. And that's very adaptive for him, given that he lives in a house with his five <laughs> siblings. Can you imagine if he was a baby that was sensitive to every little exactly. sound? Yeah. It would be very difficult for him to get the sleep that he needs. So it is great that he, you know, already he's, he's, he's able to adapt to that kind of environment that he's in. Yeah, thankfully he has. He really has. I can see where he does shut off like that mm-hmm. and just like that he will he won't make eye contact with you anymore mm-hmm. if, he's had, if he's had enough of Seamus mm-hmm. and his stories he'll just look away and won't make eye contact with him again yeah. and I think it's absolutely amazing to see I love seeing the human the, the behaviour between the children because I watch the little patterns you know when you have time but I <laughs> watch the little patterns when I can and I would notice a couple of times when Ushin would look away and stop making eye contact with Seamus Seamus would actually stop reading and he'd rub his little hand for a minute or he'd rub his belly mm. or his leg and then just trail off with the reading and stop and just yeah. sit with him for a minute and then leave which is lovely to see because he's taking the cues from the baby too at 10 years old when I haven't told him any of this it's brilliant to see I I just think it's fascinating and that sensitivity that his brother that Seamus is showing to his little brother is is a lovely thing Yeah, yeah 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 Look what he's doing to me now. He's giving me the most beautiful smile. And Karina, there's a milestone moment when a baby gives its first perfect smile. Did you notice Oshin's first <laughs> smile? Uh, when did it happen? What are your memories? <laughs> well, I actually, he's been smiling basically for, since he was born. And I've been reading up on it everything. And I know it's more than likely just wind. But at five days old, I caught a, a picture of him. It, the most beautiful smile with the dimples. And I caught it on camera. I was thrilled to get it. But he's been just smiling since. He hasn't stopped smiling. Like, <laughs> look at him now. It's but like he knows <laughs> we're talking about the smiling. No, that couldn't be possible, Liz. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> well, I think he's, you know, he's getting at the, the kind of mood of the... Um, the encounter and that we're all here looking at him, smiling at him and he's picking up on our positivity, you know um, because they do a lot of uh, kind of mirroring Yeah, he was mimicking, um, one of the girls was actually, uh, he was mimicking, she was smiling at him and then pulling faces and he was trying to mimic and he's yeah. moving his head down in the in the angle she was moving her head he's yeah. moving the same as Aoife I just, yeah. it, it's amazing, I, I, I am like I said before, I am fascinated yeah, with it all it's yeah. great to see. Yeah, and this is their way of interacting, you know, before they become verbal using their eyes and their facial expressions yeah. um, you know to communicate can Ocean recognise himself in a mirror <laughs> <laughs> a little laugh for you there uh, yeah he can well I think he can because I'll hold him to a mirror I've done it a few times I'll hold him to a mirror and he'll his little eyes will look all around that because it's a, like a, a window like you know it's everything new a different image for him he will look all around everywhere but when he catches his own eye it's a big grin it's his facial it totally changes it's a smile for himself and it's it's perpetual because he'll smile more at himself <laughs> when he smiles because he's getting a smile in return and it's it's lovely to see when you hold him up to a mirror you're mm. right he can see something 
you know, reflected back at him, but he yeah. doesn't realise that it's, it's a, him. It's him. Yeah. And he doesn't quite yet realise that he has control over what the image in the mirror That's does. That's probably why he's smiling more because he's trying to get the reaction of the yeah. other person. Yeah. So really, at this, in order to recognise oneself in a mirror, you have to have a sense of self. You know, yeah. and really, babies at, at this very young age don't yet. First, they'll begin to realise that they have a body that's separate from other people. And then when that comes, they'll realise that they have a mind that's separate from other people's mm. minds. So we would expect that kind of milestone to occur somewhere, as I said, between 15 to 18 months of age. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. that's not to say he won't be interested in looking in the mirror at the baby looking back at of him. Course it's but he face. won't realise yeah. that it's him. Ah. Yeah. So that moment when he does something that might be a milestone... You do stop in your tracks, don't you? Absolutely, I do because it's, it's a change. It's it's another change to his growth. It's it's, I don't I don't know. It's leaving behind the baby, the newborn. It's leaving all that behind. It's change. It's a step forward for him, and it's a step forward for the family. And as yeah. far as your interaction, you know, it's on the path of change. Every day is something different, something new. It's he's only started actually giggling the last two days as well. Again, with Seamus coming in and playing with him and full on you know trying to make him laugh he doesn't get his dad jokes yet <laughs> but he actually started giggling with him when Seamus making noises for him which is lovely yeah but I think what's amazing is you know he's already demonstrating his ability to communicate you know spoken language is only one form of communication he has lots of tools in his arsenal already to tell us what it is he's experiencing when he's content when he's happy when he's open for business when he wants to be interacted with yeah. when he's had enough interaction so uh, you know really um, it's important for us to think about babies' communication in in broader terms than just their spoken language, you know. Well, I've enjoyed meeting Oshin. I think Oshin, you've enjoyed meeting me. I could be wrong, <laughs> I but think I think enjoyed we've meeting clicked. you more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's obviously changed the house and brought a lot of drama and fun and everything to it. Absolutely, absolutely, he did. He was a surprise baby, and we wouldn't have it any other way. He's absolutely, we're in love with him. Every one of us, we love him. And, Never say never. (laughs) That's all for this week's Like Family. Big thanks to all the families who took part in the programme. Thank you for listening. And this programme was produced by Eileen Hearn. For more information, check out rte.ie forward slash radio one forward slash like family.